Hello, everyone. Um, welcome. So this is the session on when technology meets storytelling. And I've been to a few of the sessions already today, and I think CMC, once again, is doing a fantastic job. I don't know if you all agree, but give a shout out if you do. So say here, here. Well done. Well done. Um, so my name is Laura Skanga, and um, I'm the moderator for today's session. And we've got uh, an excellent panel of four. And these individuals have been brought to you and put together by our two producers, Claire and Mark, who have been at that. You guys should wave. Stand up and wave, just so you can get embarrassed. You know? <laughs> um, and so um, and this is a, a very exciting opportunity for us because it is really the culmination between uh, the sort of the narrative and trying to talk about, well, how does technology fit in or, or does it or does it detract, etc. So we have some really good discussions ahead. Um, but before we get underway, I just thought I should tell you a bit about me because it's kind of important for, for you to know a bit about where I come from. So I um, recently joined an organization called the Knowledge Transfer Network, and uh, we are funded by the Technology Strategy Board. And so um, what our mission is, is really to help organizations such as yourselves, um, your, your own organizations, to work with other businesses, with other creators, and particularly with the funders. So what I do is really try and facilitate that network. And my role specifically as, as head of creative industries. So basically, I am here for you. Um, so that's all I can tell you at this point in time. So if you, if you need anything, if you need to talk to me or grab me later, then by all means, please do. Um, so we have uh, panelists here. So each of our panelists are um, going to introduce themselves and going to tell you a bit about um, what they do. Um, once they actually have uh, share with you what they do. What we'd like to do is have a bit more of an open discussion and have, have that kind of discussion as opposed to it just being them talking at you. Um, and then what we'd like to do is obviously open the floor up and uh, have some questions from yourself. So first we'll over to the panelists. And I think um, James? Hi there. Um, I'm James from Made in Me. Um, we're a, a digital studio based in London. Um, we make apps, games, websites. Um, as an agency, um, a lot of work we do is work for hire, working with partners and companies and clients. Um, and then the other half of what we do is, is our own projects that range from um, tiny experimental weird things to um, sort of more ambitious platforms. Um, I think if, if, if anyone um, knows anything about us, it might be for um, an app called MeBooks, which we made and continue to, to grow and look after it. It's a, a digital bookshop uh, for kids. I'm going to show um, two short videos. Um, my apologies, I am going to show a short MeBooks video just for anyone that hasn't seen it because it speaks very much to what, what we're going to talk about. Um, and after that, I'm going to show you another video which is actually um, a, a concept that we've worked up that's never been shown publicly before. Um, again, it's, it's, it's um, very relevant to the idea of uh, the, sort of the evolving thread of storytelling and interactive that, that we're exploring. Um, so that's MeBooks. That uh, was um, a very, a, a really simple idea, um, and it was very much to try and um, translate the, the print experience and, and, and print picture books to the digital space, just to try and create a, really a, a fixed layout ebook format for picture books um, that was very much conceived uh, specifically for that. Um, at the time, and, and even still to some degree, um, EPUB and the prevailing formats for, um, for e-books um, don't serve the, the fixed layout illustrated um, storytelling publishing space particularly well. 
Um, and so that was very much trying to, trying to come up with a, a concept that added one simple feature was that you, which you could draw over the book um, in, in secret areas and add your own sounds and things. And again, it stayed a picture book. The experience was very picture book-like, but it added a new dimension that, that captured the kind of behavior that was happening already with picture books, you know, doing the voices, changing the stories, and, and, and all that kind of thing. Um, the next one I'm going to show you is kind of, again, the, I suppose the idea itself, similar to me books, the idea itself doesn't seem particularly groundbreaking because it isn't. Um, but uh, it's trying to uh, explore um, more ways that you can, can influence a story. Um, in this particular example, it's, it's a... Again, it's, it's a proof of concept, so the artwork was just done for this video. We took fairy tale artwork from different famous fairy tales, as you'll see. But in this, you can actually um, affect the story by reaching in and playing, put, um, playing with words uh, to, to completely change the narrative. So it's kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure for, for kids. Little Red was on her way to Granny's house when she came upon a wolf. Hello there. Um, no, not a wolf. Beanstalk. Much better. This thing goes on for ages. <laughs> oh, cool. After catching her breath, Little Red decided she should climb back down. No, she didn't. So again, um, this is, you know, it's, 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 not a, it's not a new idea. The Choose Your Own Adventure books have been around for a long time. Branching narrative stuff's all over the place. Um, the, the guys at Nosy Crow play with this brilliantly in their apps. And for us, we're kind of just playing with the idea that um, we, we've used the, the, the sense that this, the, the, the sort of linear page-turning effect, um, that keeping that, because actually it's a great device. If, if, if kids turn a page um, and then they, they go back again and change something and then turn the page again and something's different, they actually the combination of static artwork, static elements, and, and that kind of dynamic interactivity is really nice because they're not expecting things to change. So when something that looks like it shouldn't change does... Um, it, it, can be, um, it can be really exciting. And the idea that you move forward and back in time through pages is nice too. Um, so for us, it's very much about exploring story. Um, my, my two big things about the sort of tech and storytelling are um, the, the idea that you don't have a story unless you have an audience. Um, and I think that that's a, a massive challenge that, that, that you keep hearing about. So our, our kind of all of our efforts go into how can we create great stories. It's less about the tech and all about the story. Um, and also, how can they find an audience? And those two um, sort of challenges, I suppose, go, go hand in hand. And that's very much what we're about. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm slightly kind of different in uh, respect to these guys in some ways. Um, I, what I'm going to kind of show you is a, is a prototype that I've kind of been playing around with. The, I'll give you some background on me. So I'm an animation director. I've been working kind of with Nexus Productions for about sort of 15 years and generally do comedy narrative, charming narrative things on one side, um, commercials and the like. And, um, but I also got a really satisfying exploration of techniques. Um, and actually that process of exploration kind of got me onto um, one thing which I did recently, which was uh, not recently, about sort of six or seven years ago, um, which is a thing called the phonotrope. So... So I work with animation, but I really enjoy 
playing around with the process of it. Um, and this thing was, um, there's a reason to kind of put this in here, but um, this was playing with the process of how animation works. A record player spins around at 45 RPM, camera takes pictures at 25 frames a second. So mathematically, it works out as, as, as you can kind of use it like a zoetrope. Um, but like I say, um, it's, it's the process of making films, making animation that's kind of got me into this bit, which is this tech thing, um, and onto the project, which I, this click is rubbish, um, <laughs> stages. Um, so now, stages um, is, is kind of a proof of concept, which we got some funding for uh, last year to develop. Um, it's, in terms of tech, these guys are definitely more kind of computery kind of based things. I kind of wanted us, I discovered a little step backwards rather than a step forwards. Um, the idea of stages kind of came to me uh, as, as kind of the enjoyment of theatre, phys physically in a physical space. I went to see this version of Kafka's Metamorphosis where the, uh, where, where the, the set was this cross-section of a house um, and the top room was this top-down view of this chap's bedroom. When the lights went on, in his room, the audience in the theatre were just, wow, this is incredible. And I was wondering why you don't get that with films and moving image. It's the difference between Warhorse on stage and Warhorse sort of in the cinema. The people that, that I know that have seen it on stage have gone, wow, it's, it's amazing. And they, they've seen the film, they kind of go, oh, it's, um, it's, not as, it's not as impressive. And so I thought there, there was something very interesting there. Um, and so um, this led me on to this idea which wasn't animation, it's a little bit more games. So what is Stages? Stages is pretty much, um, it, it's a physically built set. It's a physical thing that you stand in front of. It's not downloadable, it's not on the screen. Um, so it's a physically built set, and within this physical set, there are elements within it that are driven by motors, like doors and levers and lifts and pulleys. And for, for this instance, let's say a cross-section platformer game, um, it's like a cross-section of a doll's house, but projected into it is, is, is the digital experience, which is a game which people can control with their phones. So you, you have a character, you kind of, um, you, your character, you move your character up to a door, it opens the door, the door physically opens, you get into a lift, it goes up and down. It's, a, it's, an, interesting, um, it, it's an interesting space, it's outside of the screen. Um, and so that's kind of the, the tech thing of what I've been doing. Um, oh, hang on. Uh, right. Um, and we got some funding through IC Tomorrow, um, and that was back in March last year. And IC Tomorrow is this fantastic funding stream that kind of helps digital innovation in loads of different areas. Um, but one of the most important things, so ours was with media, um, and the most important thing is that it comes with kind of a commercial mentor side to it, um, and it was Ogilvy Labs and JC Deco, the outdoor advertisers. And so this idea kind of was, was perfect for it. Um, and what we did was um, we kind of developed it, um, we, we got the funding, um, successfully and, and what's great about IT Tomorrow is, is that they kind of leave you alone um, for, for months and months to make mistakes and I think that shared with all of us is, is that with tech stuff you really have to make stuff to show people and they, they allowed us to, so we, I was designing things in 3D Studio Max um, and uh, a rapid prototyping sets, I've got an example down here if you want to see it afterwards and creating motors and levers and lifts and pulleys um, and there's, there's about eight different kind of aspects that go into it from uh, there's the design stage on illustration, 3D Studio Max and building, which goes off to Unity to make the game, goes to rapid prototyping, there's projection mapping and networking. So there's a lot of stuff, but actually it's a very simple thing when you stand in front of it. Um, so on the left-hand side, that's the rapid prototype set without any digital projection. And on the right is, is the same set with digital projection. And this is, um, this is kind of where we are at the moment. Um, 
of this. Well, what it isn't is it's not a game. We're not selling the game. Um, so th this is it without any projection on it. Um, and then that's the projection on it. Um, this is about sort of about um, a meter and a half tall. Um, you stand, you control using your phone. You, you access it through Wi-Fi network. It's very simple to kind of access your controller. Loads of people can play at the same time. Um, so, um, and it's a very beguiling thing to stand in front of because because you kind of know what's happening. Same way with theatre, you kind of know what's happening, but but it's a really lovely feeling. Um, I mean, this prototype, we we've been playing around. We've been learning a lot of stuff. Um, what works in depth. Like I say, I mean, you can get five or six characters in this. We limit it just to the, the size of space. Um, but the commercial side was quite interesting because it, it then, you know, you can win your game, you get, an, you get a reward which is sent back to your phone. So, um, yeah. so that... Yeah, everyone's going to know how good you are. That's Luke Ritchie, who's very competitive at work. <laughs> um, so, so this is kind of where we are. Um, and in terms of application for commercial kind of sides, it's, it's where dwell time is, like a, a departure lounge. Uh, and it's breaking away from the screen, so you can make an enormous like, um, map of the world of loads of different countries. People could control clouds while they're waiting for a plane or in a shopping mall. You know, it, it, it's, so, I mean, there's this slightly horrible commercial side to it. But actually, it's quite... No, but it is. I mean, but actually, it's, it's a really rewarding side because actually... Anybody, any brand can kind of attach itself to it. You can do a kind of kids games tie-in kind of thing. Um, and it's just a different space. The, the digital side can be different. It could be liquid when you're, you're moving levers and pulleys, which fill up a bottle, which fill up a, um, fill up a, a bottle of Coke, which you then get. So it could be something as, as, as really sort of nakedly commercial as that. Um, but it's just a different approach into digital like I say, it's a, it's a neat little step backwards. It's not, I was saying to, to Guy earlier, it's not augmented reality, it's actually augmented digital. It's kind of putting the physical side first. Um, and um, yeah, that's kind of sort of where we're at. We're, we're developing something with the Science Museum at the moment, so it's quite nice kind of doing that's for kids, 11 to 13-year-olds, the 15-year-olds getting into engineering. Mm. Uh, it's quite a nice kind of spot. But um, anyway, so that's, that's me. That's what madness I've been doing. <laughs> Next. Ah. Hello. Well done, well done. <laughs> Are you going to show them that? Oh, no, you can see that at the end. That's, that's an early prototype. Good timing, good yeah, timing. Yeah, oh, sorry. That's, that's the kind of size of these sets. It's interesting because when people are saying, oh, can you scale it up? It's like you could scale it up, but you wouldn't scale the size of this up. You'd have hundreds of these rooms. Um, and anyway, have, have a look afterwards. This is some... It's your turn now. It's your time. <laughs> it's my time. It's your time. Fantastic. <laughs> this is my moment. So hi guys, I'm from Michael O'Neill. I'm from Adobe uh, Systems Europe. I work for the people that make tools. So I work with the Premiere team, Photoshop, After Effects, and whatnot. So today we're here to show you something that is right out of the lab. It's a sneak peek of a technology preview. Our code name for it is called um, Animal, or also Beaker, because we're kind of a fan of the Muppets. What we use, uh, the specific element we're looking to work on is lip syncing. How do you work with lip syncing and get character animation done quickly and easily? Um, we're all about open workflows, so Cell Action, Toon Boom, other tool sets that actually do work with that, we're working with them to make sure we can go from us to them as well. But this goes very simply. I'll start with the actual tool so you can get a sense of it. We've put in three trackers. We basically have the ability for us to use our eyes, our, our lips, reset that, and be able to scale and move back elements and have dangles and have elements move around and have it track your eyeballs and your lips and your different variations. 
This is all done. Basically, you can start with an earlier element, so it can reset. If I go in close to the camera and actually hit reset, it'll resize the character and it'll track my eyebrows as I start to move my eyebrows up and down. And if I wanted to actually record something, we can take into here, let's go to Red Monster, which is an Illustrator file and have two different characters. I could hit Apple R, and then what will happen is it'll start to record what's happening to my voice, and it's recording the actual elements that are being done. It then generates a very quick file that is a PNG sequence as well as a WAV file. So this is going to be dudes. We're going to create a new folder for that. Dudes. And we create those elements and save both those elements out. Those then allow us to work straight inside of either Premiere. So if we wanted to work, be able to edit those together, we could just go File Import, import those two sequences. So I could take in the dudette as an image sequence, whereas dudes, there it is, the one we just did. Say image sequence, import. But I can also bring in the element of the WAV file. The WAV file then allows us to be able to synchronize or composite that together. There then is an automatic creation of a sequence. So let's go back inside of here. I'll make this bigger so we can see the actual continuous elements and the WAV file that's there. The um, elements that then for this to work straight across, if we backslash, whoops, straight across that, and toggle and tilde and sh control tilde. Whoops. And it's going to move things across. So basically a very quick prototyping in the labs, there's still more work to be done. What it allows for us to do is basically take a series of behaviors straight out and be able to do everything based on Illustrator or Photoshop layers. So working inside of Illustrator or inside of Photoshop, you make elements that are based on naming. So we have our structure, which is the structure of the head, the right eye and the left eye, and you can have any variations of those, so you can be able to deform working with them. We work with the pen tool, which is, if you've, any of you use Cell Action, know what that tool is? No. If you haven't, take a look. It's Andy Blasdale's team. It's quite excellent. Um, basically, it allows for you to work off of uh, anchor points, and these anchor points allow you to be able to set where you want elements to be controlled or moved. So, for example, there's a very small little dot by the right foot, and that becomes the point that allows us to real-time be able to generate the, the puppetry and the 3D facial recognition. So as I was saying to the panel before we started, this is one of those positive things that happens when you go through an airport and you get full facial recognition, or you go to Westminster and you get your full facial, because uh, there's, there's quite a lot of complex geometry that's instantly taken from those cameras of your face and then put into a database. So we're trying to make the creative tool out of that tech. Uh, another side that the topic is that's here is storytelling. So this will be the last bit, but Adobe created a tool set going back, back when the BBC decided to move its lovely offices to, from TV Center up to Manchester. So, anyone from Manchester? Okay. So, <laughs> uh, so about half those people that had job offers didn't want to go. So we started working with them on how could they actually develop things like we developed this tool in conjunction with them and with ITV for Coronation Street in Emmerdale. It's a full script writing tool that works like uh, Final Draft. And uh, basically, it also works like movie magic. So when you're working inside this collaborative, you're, it takes you through conversation. Are we waiting for the panel for this conversation? Or can I can make the statement now. You make it now. <laughs> so uh, the question was, how do you improve storytelling? How do you actually get better stories and better TV content? And my concept is it's all about the story. If you don't, 
So often you'll read a script or you'll look at a scene and there'll be six characters with three personalities. People haven't taken the time to do the research on what the personalities and the background is from that character. So when they're placed into a setting with an objective, there's a real nice dialogue and some kind of an arc. So discipline, rewriting, every day, working across all the different steps, there is a complete structure for it. If you've got a crap story, don't make the film, right? Get the story right. That was the comment you wanted me to put in. (laughs) But the idea is that when you start, you go from your pitch, your summary, you work on character bios, then you go into the actual story itself and writing those elements. We generate all these, and it works collaboratively. Then when you're working on the script, you then, once you've developed it, you have the log line. The log line then allows you to create your storyboard, go down to your animatic level when you're doing your voiceover recordings. And these integrations basically allow for a tagging system, which goes across... This is techie-techie, but very easy to understand. When you're inside of each one of these script writing things, you can say, what is it you're doing? Are you doing dialogue? Well, yes. So if I'm doing dialogue, it's going to be, hello. If I do what's going to be happening next, is it parenthetical? The parenthetical is, I pick up a cup. Once I've done those two elements, two things have happened. First, I know there's a character that's going to say hello. I also know there's an art department that has to create a cup. So those are basically called tagging. And this is the structure where you actually start to do line producing and production and start to figure out once you've got your script, you can start to do your budgets. You can start to do your time frames. So you actually can do a line producer element looking at the character panels, looking at the tagging panels that are there. And those all come through and allow for lots of people to work together inside of one project from various locations. So Knightsbridge to Manchester or... We've got 40 people working on scripts for Emmerdale and ITV, two different teams every day. They've been working with this. And then the movie magic part of it, which is also inside of here, is the scheduling reporting element. Because when you're going to do reports, it allows you to take out and generate reports that are specific to everything from character breakdowns, wardrobe, uh, the actual Bible for your television, your sets and locations, your costumes, your coloring, all of these things, even down to pacing. And so that information basically gets tied straight in and can be integrated either into the Prelude tool, where we basically have a story panel that brings it straight in. You can log in and access it that way. And we also have it inside of Premiere, so you can be able to take your elements straight into the metadata panel and embed that through with your speech and with your script into the actual script into the TV series. So off to other Jim, right? So if you have... Guy? <laughs> so I'm Guy Wilcox, Crane, uh, Crane Media, Crane 3D Media. Um, I was playing around with augmented reality tech, and you guys have probably seen some of the advertising type augmented reality, where you see things pop out of point of sale or mm. products in the supermarket, and your first response is, wow, that's cool, but then for me, I left it there. It was cool, I wanted, but I thought... I thought about the tech and I thought, you could do more with this. And uh, I was witnessing my uh, four-year-old nephew, Elliot, um, playing on an iPad. And he was playing a Spider-Man game and he was engrossed in it. And it was dinner time. And he threw a massive paddy. <laughs> he literally, he was, he was a not, not a happy chappy. And I thought, well, there's something sort of addictive about gaming. And there's a lot of storytelling and narrative involved in gaming. And he really gets hooked into these processes. And I noticed that he really didn't touch his physical toys as much as he used to. And um, I wanted to do something to change that. So um, I met with um, Fremantle Media, which are 
here today. And um, we talked about this brand, which I really took a shine to. So if any of you guys know it, Tree Food Tom, um, uh, created Dan Bays, created it because he wanted to get kids moving and to uh, sort of help kids with dyspraxia. Um, and we wanted to do something different with the tech and involve movement with the tech as well. Here's a little thing. So what you can do there is you can record the AR, the 3D that you layer over the real world in a video, or you can take a photo. So you could make a sequence which involves your real toys, or granddad, mum, dad, or maybe they're behind the iPad and the kids are involved. And they're talking, they're coming out of the iPad for moments of it, and they're getting creative. Um, and I found that when I went back to Elliot and showed him this app, and he, he loved the fact that I kind of knew Trifu Tom, um, <laughs> <laughs> or Trifu Dan as he's known. Um, uh, I found that he, to begin with, his, his sort of creativity was a bit slow because I noticed that as well, that he, he wasn't brilliant at making up stories. But as he warmed up, he started to come up with great ideas and started, you know, he was the one leading me. And we, we spent over an hour playing on the app, making different videos, filling up my iPad. And um, yeah, one, one happy kid. Uh, the reviews were that it was loved by parents. We built it as a family app. We wanted, you know, not the child to be insular. Uh, and we wanted them to sort of uh, communicate with their siblings and parents. And um, I think the parents enjoyed it as much as the kids, to be honest, from a lot of the reviews. Um, and uh, it got featured uh, by Apple. Uh, we use, there's three other games involved as well, which involve tilting the, the iPad in order to use his shield to defend him from the slime weeds. And um, yeah, big, uh, big success. Um, we've been playing with other things at the moment. Now, Andy Murray's mum, Judy Murray, um, is stuck in a big tennis coaching ske uh, scheme. She announced it on Tuesday as a little warm-up, and we're, um, we've built an app for that. So it involves using motion capture technology uh, to capture real movement and also gets kids to start thinking about decision-making on a tennis court. So um, more from that to come. Where it's all going... Is a very in it's a in very interesting time for us at the moment. So um, Google, there's the, the three sort of powerhouses I'm going to go through here. Google are working um, with 3D depth cameras, which essentially can read the whole world around us. Um, so two, two cameras in order to see the world and so that we can invent it. They're working with this company um, in order to create something quite special. And this is just one of the possibilities, really. Quite a long video, so I'll, I'll give you an idea and then I'll skip forward. There we go. Okay, so as you can see, that, that gives kids the power to do something a bit fun. And again, family-orientated tool. So I'm looking at the sort of age groups of about three to six because they're the age groups that I want to keep thinking about the real world and embrace the real world. And I think for anybody moving into the AR space, uh, it, they can't forget about the real world and the, the, the importance of using that within this experience. It's not just about overlaying digital content. It's about getting them to be physical. Um, 
And there's, there's object rec recognition, there's toy recognition on the horizon, and we really want to change the way that kids are, are playing and, and using their imaginations. Now, Facebook recently, some of you may have read, um, for uh, two billion, they're spending their overpriced shares quite quickly at the moment, um, on Oculus Rift. Now, Oculus, if you don't know, is a VR headset, and it's probably the best that we've had. And is next to zero latency, you are in a virtual world. You look around, you pull a trigger, and you're in that world. Now, it's, there's been a lot of talk about gaming applications, but for if you can imagine a sort of choose-your-own-adventure type book, as um, James was talking about earlier, you could use that. You can interact when you're in there. But there's also a question mark at younger ages. You know, do you want them consumed in a virtual world? Um, but all I can say is this stuff is coming to us very, very soon. Since this acquisition, next year we'll be having, um, you know, they're, they're going to be replacing or as an addition to your games consoles. As you've got Sony with Project Morpheus, it's all changing and very quickly. Um, Apple bought this company that were originally behind um, the Xbox Connect. So uh, they paid 360 million for them and. These, this tech is built into the meta glasses, kind of stylized up there. Um, that is, they are AR glasses, so we, we wouldn't be holding the tablet or the smartphone. We'll be looking at things and augmenting that reality, whether that's a sort of Google Glass approach with information, um, GPS data and things like that, or with these ones, more so it's 3D graphics. So I'm an architect, and I'm going to spin around a model with my hands. The depth camera can detect your hands, and you can see... Uh, a merged reality, a bridge reality. Um, AR, there's an example of AR laser quest, if you like, there in the corner. Where's it going? There's a film called Her coming out at the moment. I think there's a really nice vision of the future. Um, interesting in some ways. He falls in love with his operating system, uh, <laughs> which was a bit novel. But he likes to play games, and he's very much a part of the game. And the characters in the game can hear the operating system and hear him. It's all about artificial intelligence, and they get very close to being very human-like, i.e. falling in love with it. Um, and uh, watch that film, because you'll see sort of a vision for the future. And, uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's me, good. that's what I've done, and that's uh, my vision. Fantastic, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. As you heard um, everyone speak, and there's a lot of technology, obviously, out there. So um, with a lot of new and different types of technology, we're actually looking at ways of creating stories in different ways, right? So that's, that's what everybody's talking about. Um, and I think one of the biggest questions that I've always had in the back of my mind when we started this particular conversation around this panel was, how or will any of this technology help producers, creatives, directors make anything more better, create, any more creative, basically? So can we make better stories by using this stuff? Um, or is it just going to be different? You know, so what's, what is the additive to it? And I'm asking, I'm going to ask the panel this sort of question because I want to know really around the creativity, not the commercials, not the tech, right? So we want to know about the creativity. And I'm going to throw it down this way first. Yeah. And then I'm going to go that way, because yeah. this is a hard question, okay? okay? So I just kind of wanted to get a sense of how will this technology help 
producers. And now I know the stuff that you're talking about is really quite rich yeah. um, in terms of the development, but seeing as you were the last one on, okay. I'll... Okay. Uh, I would, I'd say that it, it needs to empower the user to be able to express themselves more. Mm. So in the example of our tech, it's um, you're giving them rather than a, a plastic toy to move around in mm -hmm. front of them, you're giving them something with with the ability to do spells and inspire um, inspire stories. It's like you're giving them gaming features in order to help them tell stories. So you're merging the worlds of computer games, uh, sort of toys and, and, and storybooks, really, or, mm -hmm. or the, the, the ability to create them. So I think if it, when, it, when it really does empower them to do more and do that more quickly, um, inspiring their imagination and giving them a bit, a bit of tech that they're kind of used to seeing um, with uh, the rising in computer games mm. and CGI movies and things like that, I think that you know that's that's important. It has to add that value. And I think that's and that's a good point because we're actually talking about empowering the users to create the stories. Yeah. And I think that's where you're also going in terms of you've created a platform that enables the interactivity, uh, at least in terms of some of the books. And how do you see <coughs> that changing or shaping? Is it the users? Is it the professionals? Both. I, I, th I think it's both, but I do think there's a there's a there's a tension between the two. So for us, we we you know even with the the example I showed, you could see very clearly the decision was made. There's no animation; mm. it's still stac static illustration. Um, the thing for us is we're very cautious about straying away from formats that users, if you like, it's a weird way to. I always think, yeah. I always think of Tron, yeah. but um, <laughs> that users understand. Um, and uh, and uh, the, the understand and accept because to, it's all in the way. Otherwise, mm. it's all in the way. And I think there's so much technology that's there um, because it's cool and because it's engaging and even because it's user empowering. I mean, user empowerment is not always a good thing. Um, I mean, the thing is, is that you know, I I, I always you know, will get a conversation started with. There's no such thing as a non-linear narrative, mm. um, uh, and there there isn't because mm. a story is, is 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 a very specific set of things that happen in order to to convey an idea or something. And, and whilst you can have user agency is, is, is a kind of experience in gaming mm. where there's a sort of narrative arc and you're in this place and, or it's choose your own adventure and the story varies. But with choose your own adventure, you still, now you just have to write, mm. you know, 25 good stories yeah. instead of one. So I think it's, um, it's an interesting one where with us, we kind of, we move to very fixed points mm. rather than a sliding scale between the two, and I think the middle ground is, is, can, be, can be treacherous. I'm going to throw this right over to you, Michael. Sorry. And the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm throwing it over to you, because obviously in terms of the, the, the technology that you showed us, in terms of the applications uh, um, and the program, it's, it, it comes across as very linear. So we're talking about something in terms of narrative, storytelling, the emergence of it. It's not very linear. And then we're talking about something in terms of what Adobe's created to help that is very structured and highly structured, right? So how do you see the two working together? Um, Sorry. Coming from a yoga background, I find <laughs> that it's basically you got it's the practice, not the concept. Mm -hmm. Basically, you have to go through the process of doing the exercises mm -hmm. to actually get to the point of like, relaxation. Mm -hmm. but we were talking about the distinction yeah. of pipeline before, yeah. right? Yeah. And when you're looking at the the elements that would go into 
Uh, teaching students and mm. teachers and lecturers, mm. what's the process to get from A to B, right? It's not difficult. When you start to realize what makes, like, the new Godzilla, Gareth Edwards, uh, director from London, mm. went and did Monsters, and then J.J. Abrams picked him up to get the Godzilla gig, and now he's doing the um, brand for the next Star Wars. Mm. And what he was good about is that he had a technique that realized, if I can use a PNG sequence and not take a bunch of 3D objects and try to move them around the stage, mm -hmm. I don't need a lot of computers. I can do it in my bedroom for two computers, right? And it was the concept that he had. It was a basic crafting, a basic, like, a carpenter learns how to make mm -hmm. his tools. It's basically taking what was a complex tool and going down to a very simple series of steps. Mm -hmm. um, I find what I spend most of our time doing is actually taking those best practices that we find in edit suites, in creating suites, in creative mm -hmm. areas, and they have to be done systematically because you're working in a team. You have to go across communication so that everyone knows where it's all happening. And what's going to happen more frequently is that we're going to be using iPads and iPads to communicate between producer, associate producer, mm -hmm. the people that are heads of each division, so you can work across different countries. And that's and, and, so, and now what I'm going to do is throw it into the hands of the originator. Yeah, because from so Jim's point, no, no, no. Because the, the thing is that it's this is this is really important because <clears throat> you're in the creative hot seat, oh, right? Yeah. And how do you see <laughs> what Michael is talking about? Well, it's sort of okay. no, it's, it's usual. I mean, basically, tech is is ways of doing things uh, in different. It, it could be standing in front of a piece of wood and plastic and metal, or it could be using your iPad, or it could be using. As a, a really comprehensive workflow between things, and, and in terms of how it affects storytelling or ideas or creativity, it just it just opens up different ways of thinking, and sometimes it makes it a lot easier. Sometimes it makes you think in different ways. I know mm. what 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 I've been doing with this is intended to make people realise that there's there's a different space to explore. What you guys with AR or or with the books mm. there, it's it's really clever ways of doing. Things differently, and I think that's exactly the same with the mm -hmm. Adobe mm -hmm. stuff. And I, I don't think it. I, hopefully, what it does is it makes people, it, it inspires people to kind of work in different ways. It doesn't change how creative you are. Mm. Uh, it, it may make it easier. In fact, sometimes the easy, the stuff that's so easy, um, makes people do rubbish stuff because everybody's doing it in the same way. I mean, you know, that lip syncing thing is fantastic, mm. but if, if 50 children's series come out using that, everyone's going to go, and then somebody's going to use a sock puppet with a moustache on it in real life. <laughs> People are going to go, that's amazing. <laughs> um, that's my idea. <laughs> um, you but, heard it here first. Yeah, <laughs> all right. But that's the thing. Is it's, like, what's so nice with that is you stand in front of it and go, ah, yeah, I say it's um, no. uh, it's not good. It's not clever. And then but we were also talking about the fact that there's trepidation about yeah. Creative Cloud and yeah. Adobe's Creative Cloud yeah. move from perpetual licenses, right? Because yeah. you have to trust Adobe. I mean, God bless us, right? We're corporate. So how do you trust a corporate? And what the Creative Cloud has is there's mm -hmm. two elements. You've got your tool sets that are getting updated. Creative Cloud gets updated three times a year now. I work for the team that makes the tools. We update November. We update in April, and we update in the first part of January. But then outside of that, there's the cloud itself. Mm -hmm. And inside the cloud, that's where I was going to this one, which is the creative cloud on apps and all that. This is where you have a whole section in America, because we were talking about size mm -hmm. of scale before. Mm -hmm. In America, you've got, what, 500 million, 300 that are justified and 200 that are come from Mexico. So you basically have... Um, <laughs> 
That's what's the way it's counted when you're looking at it. But our market's huge. It's about 60% of what we deal with. And what they did is Behance. And Behance has actually replaced the AOP, the AOI, all of the different elements for the major agencies. And they are using it as a platform to book and get creatives hired. So hiring creatives to be able to come from universities mm-hmm. in, but then in his case, asset management, tracking a project, going out to a different elements. It's also being able to track all your metadata for every asset you're creating. And I think we, and, and, and us as a panel, we've actually discussed this to the nth degree around creativity versus efficiency. So there's a lot of obviously technology is helpful with the efficiencies, but I think the point here that we, well, we've actually covered off both, one around the efficiencies and the other one around the creativity. So hopefully doing things differently. <laughs> I'm on an orange light here, which means I'd like to actually throw um, questions. questions out to anyone if you've got them. Because if you don't, I have more. So, um, but if you do, oh no! no oh God! You, no. You <laughs> You're not allowed to ask a question. So, so had a TV background, moved yeah. into digital. Have probably my my. Uh, modus operandi has always been seeing new tech, it looks shiny, thinking how can you use that. And I know colleagues of mine have always said, you're not going to put us through another bloody painful (laughs) journey while you get excited about a new technology. And I'm really conscious that all of these things have a really high pain barrier for the people who do it. There's some geniuses like Gareth who did Monsters, but he he was a very rare breed and he was in the BBC at the time trying to do things differently. And I just wonder, all of you, you're breaking new ground, but there comes a point, there must come a point when the pain of getting point. there means that, that some of these things, you just go, no, that, we'll keep that, that'll be, that's one for a better day. Certain things work well, and let's do what we do well on existing technologies. Flashback to Iron Giant that yeah. was done by Warner Brothers back in the day. It was the first tool that Soft Image actually got used into. And they were trying to figure out how to go from 2D cell animation and add an environment, which was the giant, into a 3D element and merge those together. And I remember first time seeing that 3D object in the way that Soft Image was working. And it was that, remember the story for Iron Giant? Fantastic story. And that was like, again, technology helped them get the character created <laughs> with all their traditional cell animation. That was one of those, they decided not to make the entire environment in 3D. They decided not to wait like Avatar for 17 seconds for one frame to, sorry, 17 minutes for one frame to render for Avatar for the final production. They wanted to work with stuff that was quick in camera and cheap, and then stuff that, like the giant, took more time to render out with the, the 3D elements. You, as a budgeter, as a time manager, a producer, you need to know how much time you have and how much money you want to spend on the but shot. I still think it's craft, though. I mean, like you said, the story already existed. You know, it, it was already there. I mean, let's just go out and say it, that mm. tech will not mean better stories. Right. Mm. Um, and, and, and so it's kind of what we're all thinking. Um, it's, you know, it's, it, it's tools. It is, it's, it's, it's amazing. Like, you know, lip sync. I mean, anyone who knows what lip sync is knows that it's Latin for pain, you know, and, 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 and money. And a lot of the time, it's like, stick a beard or a mask on, please. Yeah, because, um, and so I think that, you know, that kind of stuff is about, it's, going, it's, mm-hmm. it's incredibly empowering for, you know, and, and technology is just that thing in the middle. Mm-hmm. The distance between the storyteller and the person who wants mm-hmm. to, to listen to a good story um, is getting smaller and smaller and smaller in, in, on a sort of global scale. Um, but I think that, you know, there, there's just no way that, you know, stories, you know, that the, even the other day, we were having breakfast and... 
And um, two things happened at the weekend. We had a, um, a, a cereal spillage at breakfast time with the kids. And, and but you made it into, I said that they were all like fleeing from the bowl from captivity, these like cornflakes. Um, and then we named them and that one was Alan and that one was, you know, was Kate. Your, your children are 23. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't have children. No, I don't have yeah, children. Right. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're cornflakes. Last weekend we also, and then we went to see, um, uh, at the weekend we went to see uh, How to Train Your Dragon 2, which is, which is brilliant. Oh, you know? and, and, you know, I, I, I mean, I do love those films. But, you know, the, the, the cornflake escapee's got much more draw with the kids they yeah. were talking about it they were talking about it it's what's happening what's happening where is Alan now it's our jobs in some yeah. ways is, is, is to try and draw people into enjoying enjoying yeah. you know yeah. that sounds nuts but it's, it's kind of like oh I'm enjoying this and it's not branded it's not kind of you know that's and you know that Hopefully that's what the tech thing... What's so delightful about tech is that actually you discover something you think, I know there's loads of me out in the world which would go, wow, that's so cool. And it may be 20, it may be 200, it may be 20,000. But actually, when you're saying what drives you forward is, is actually just, I know that someone's going to see this and go, wow. I know there's probably a few that might not get it, but I mean, all of us, I think, we, we know that there's, there's us out there you know, I think you were all us, you know, that, that just excite, gets excited by that. I, I, think, I think you're right. Is it, I think that with people who, who create things like Avatar, James Cameron, etc., yeah. there's a lot of creative professionals, brilliant professionals out there making masterpieces. Yeah. However, the, the whole time you're sitting watching somebody else's creativity yeah. and engaging in it, you're not being creative yourself. Absolutely. And I think that that's what we need to concentrate on when we're working in the kids' space is that we, we need to empower kids to be creative. Otherwise, when that generation grows up, you have kids that just want to be filled up and entertained. Do you know what I mean? And, and we, we really need to get them thinking. I don't know if anybody has any questions around that, the, the whole notion of kids and, and the... Because we're obviously at the Children's Media Conference and we hardly touch, really, upon that subject. And I think... Guy, you know, you spoke quite a bit about the fact that your nephew was engrossed in that particular media and, and, and on his, in his iPad and then through a tantrum when he couldn't, you know, couldn't have it anymore and the addiction. So but the question I, I kind of immediately started to jump to was really around, oops, all right, um, was really around the, um, uh, you know, what is reality? Because kids sometimes find it difficult to understand what is the difference between reality. It's a very difficult filtering system for adults just to understand what's real on the internet alone for kids. So I don't know um, what anybody wants to say about that, but that's kind of really quite important in my mind in terms of how do we create these... Do, do we have to worry about that, that you know, the, there's less real out there and they're going to be more involved with less real things? Do we need to worry about that? Should that, we yeah. as virtual reality get like all the East? What is that called? Only live Essex, you know, the yeah, shows yeah, like yeah. that are just oh, yeah. no fun to watch. That's yeah. based on reality. I don't want that. You know, well, well, that's a good point. But <laughs> you know, that's a really, really good point. So, how do you describe what is real, what is not real? That's a real. Those are real people, real lives, really. Yeah. And um, you know, and then you've got the three D coming at you as well, which is quite different, different as well. So there's a lot of well, we work, well then we've got to work harder to make amazing things that are outside of that, like mm. playing with toys, like actually, you know, I think that's the me books thing is, is wonderful, and that, that tailspin is is a really delightful thing. I know that my daughter, I would be really happy for my daughter to play with that. It's not an iPad thing. 
but it's but it it's something that she can work with. But but it's definitely that's definitely a a thing which she can engage in and she can put down, which is lovely. I mean, I know you mean right? one successful point out of the uh, out of the CMC. At least we've got one customer from Aiden Me, which is great. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's one, um, sa- one sale. Can now, we just get one question from out there, or no? I don't know. Did we get a question? Anybody have a question? Oh no! Yes. As- I just want to say I hope Jim's pain threshold is really high because I want to know when I can play that stages in an oh, yeah. airport with my kids. We, well, the prototypes in, in Nexus at the moment, um, um, but the, there's hopefully this, this science museum thing is going to is around November time. Uh, but um, the, the annoying thing with the science museum is, well, typically they don't have that much money, so we're kind of treating it like an extension of the prototype. But um, but I when when somebody does pick it up properly. Um, you, hopefully, it'll be one of those things that people go, "Oh, I know that." Well, it's a lot bigger now. But... Will my kids still be kids, though? How long? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't try and pretend it's your don't kids. Bet, that are gonna... <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it'll be fantastic. Um, yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, just on, the, on your last point, though, yeah. I just wanted to make about uh, popped up a slide about Facebook um, acquiring Oculus. Now, Oculus was the gamers or the game developers' baby. They were watching the space. They were making their own games with mm. the development kit. And then Zuckerberg flew in and bought it. And everybody just imagined this, this Facebook in virtual reality where you meet people virtually and yeah. have a cup of tea with them virtually. And it's just that horrified parents everywhere. Mm. And um, I, 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 that's my concern. Because at the moment, even Facebook presents a different perception mm-hmm. to children of what it yeah. actually, what reality mm-hmm. is. Stronger so, parenting. Yeah. Stronger Strong parenting. Yeah. We'll get there eventually. <laughs> take, take them for walks. Take them outside. If, I know you're right. Though. Yeah. It's terrifying. Yeah. And I'm sorry, I, 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 we got flashed, which oh. means we've got to end. But um, just to... Um, <laughs> it, yeah, no, really, really. <laughs> behind you, behind you. It's behind you. You don't see that <laughs> At children's media conference. Exactly. Um, but if anybody um, would like to get in touch, you have the details of the individuals on the panel. And um, thank you. Thank you.